0: right. Let's get started. Let's, uh, let's everyone hold hands. We're going to pray for a second. Pray together as a family. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are making us into the image of yourself, that you're forming Christ in us. And I pray, God, that you'll make us one, like you're one And that you will further reveal Jesus to us tonight. And as you reveal Jesus to us tonight, that you will reveal who we are uh, made in your image, God. So we love you, we honor you, and we bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be back uh, preaching. Been a few weeks for me. Uh, the last 20 sermons I preached were uh, translated into like other languages in India. So thank you for praying for me. It's nice to be able to speak to English speakers, although I love the Indian people as well. Uh, it's a joy to be back. Um, before I go, I'm going to continue the Pneumatico series uh, and s- wrap up. Uh, I'm going to do a third week on the prophetic. Uh, gifting as well. And this this night will be on uh, prophetic stewardship. We did a night on prophetic permission, on prophetic purity, how we're pastoring this. And then tonight I'm going to take a different approach and just share uh, some of my story and how to steward um, prophetic words and the promises that God gives us in our lives. Um, but before I do that, I just, I felt the Lord, I was in prayer this morning. He laid a few things on me. Uh, That I felt he wanted me to share tonight, uh, particularly just pertaining, just probably just like family talk, who we are and we're a healthy family. And so I just want to speak into something that I've spoken into maybe six months ago, but I know a lot of you aren't here. Uh, We have a dynamic here that I think is awesome where we have... uh, We have a house, we're a church, and a family, and we're also a river, and there's a movement, and there's a lot of people that come from other churches uh, fairly frequently, uh, and they come and worship here, and and we love that, and and we've spoken and said, you know, there's a movement, and then there's a family, there's a house, there's a a church church that's being created, and I felt the Lord um, gave me a few things uh, to speak into in this dynamic of what it looks like to be, you know, it's like, it's like it's like siblings and cousins all in the same room right like this is fun thanksgiving that happens every year uh, but there's a few things that the lord laid on my heart just to speak into uh, the dynamic that will make sure that we're, ha- we're healthy and how we're doing this does that make sense all right does this make sense Okay. All right. So the first thing I just wanna I just wanna speak into a few things. This is what the Lord laid in my heart. Is the first is uh, pastoral accountability, and I just ask that if you're uh, not this is not your home church, you're coming from another church, please talk to your pastors about it and get their blessing, even just to come. Like this, I want let them speak into the process. Uh, and uh, I've, I've, you know, there's people that come that like you've told me. You're, my, my, we're called to serve over here, and I love it. My pastor's on board, and they know, and they're saying, yeah, learn, and da, da, da. I love that. We're all we're a family, and we're learning from each other. But um, please, just just tell them, hey, I want you to know that I'm aware that I'm going this place. This is where I'm at. This is I'm called to serve your vision, Pastor So and So. But I'm coming to this place, and I'm getting filled, and it's helping me do that. Does that make sense? Uh, I just think we want. I want to honor the shepherds that God's put in our lives, and then also I've talked to. A number of you that, uh, you know, you've, God has called this to be your home church and He's called you to move and you've gone and spoken to your pastors and they've blessed you and released you. And I honor that in you. And I just encourage that if that is part of your process, please go and talk to your pastor or write them a letter. If you don't, you know, it's, it's, it can be specific, but do something to um, communicate where you're at and, and, and let them give a blessing. Is that, does that make sense? So just please um, invite them into your process. And let them speak into your life because God's put them there for a specific reason. And they have wisdom. They have insight uh, that God gives them in a pastoral sense that you don't necessarily see sometimes. And it's, it's, a, it's a love thing. So I just invite you, please, to do that. Um, honor your pastors in that way. Um, The second thing the Lord put on my heart is just speaking to um, the dynamic of a church home. Um, I've had people ask me, and and it's been, this is, you know, over the last six months, like, can I be a member at two different churches? And I was like, I don't, never heard of that before. I need to think. Um, And this is what I believe is that you can only have one home. You can only have one home, a church home. And what I mean by Uh, Home is a place of a priority of your time, your money, and your ministry. Right? It's the vision that God is calling you to serve, and you need to know very clearly which vision God is calling you to serve. um, Because if you have two visions, if you start feeling torn between two visions, that is called die to vision, and it will create division for you personally in your own heart, and it will just not. It will create havoc, Um, and. You say, how would that create division if we're both Christians, we're both churches, we're all the body of Christ? Absolutely, we are all in the same army, the Lord's army, but he's given different captains in the army. And if one captain's given marching orders to go this way and the other captain's given marching orders to go that way, right, you can get torn between two visions. Does that make sense? Uh, And like, like, for instance, we're in a pruning season, but there's other churches in this valley that are probably in like other seasons, right? And you got to know, like, what is the authority? Who am I taking marching orders from as it pertains to the vision and the ministry and where I'm supposed to sow my heart and my time into? So that's the second thing. And again, that probably ties into, you know, have conversations um, about this. And then the third thing, um, for those that you would consider yourself part of the movement, this is not my home church, Um, And you're sowing into other bodies is I felt the Lord wanted me to put this, uh, just this responsibility on you is you have to discern what is kingdom, what he, he doesn't want you to go and create river house culture where you're at. I guess the best way to say that. We have to have this responsibility of like sifting. Okay, God, you have me here. This is Riverhouse, House, um, but it's not the kingdom of God fully, right? But there's kingdom principles that he's wanting you to receive that you need to glean, that then you can go sow those kingdom principles into your church. You're not going with a mandate to create River House at your church. Does that make sense? Um, I've seen this with places like I'll just, you know, like, big big movement churches that I'm sure we'd all hear of where we experience something that that church come back home and think we need to recreate that in a different environment when that's not the culture of the church that God's creating there does that make sense so i just it's it's just really be discerning on what is it that he's wanting you to glean from this place, and then what is it he wanting you to release it, and how is he wanting you to release it in the place that he's calling you to serve and the vision that he is calling you to serve. Because if he's put us under someone else's leadership, it's to serve and support and honor that leadership, right? And, he may, and he'll equip us through the whole body, but it's not to necessarily... Change it. Does that make sense? to um, further equip it. So leaven it with the kingdom. Um, That's all I had. um, And I just wanted to share that before we go. Um, The other thing is really practical. If you don't have kids and you can come to the 7 o'clock service, please, please do. We have some more space there. And we don't have a lot of space here. Um, And so if we don't have children's ministry second service. And we're just trying to be creative in this season where we have physical limitations. So that would bless us a lot. Amen. All right. Okay, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, talk to you tonight, preach to you. Um, I, I listened to, to Pastor Mom's sermon. It was wonderful. The calling journey. Who is here? Uh, okay, you were here. Who else is here? All right. I was blessed. Um, and I, I love the story of Joseph. And uh, she talked about his, his journey interwoven with her own uh, and the, thing, the, the prophetic plays a huge role in Joseph's calling journey, and I actually propose that it plays a huge role in all of our calling journeys. Uh, Psalm 105 says this, Psalm 105, 19 says, Until the time that his Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So Joseph received this prophetic word when he was 17 years old through a dream, and until the time that that word came to pass, which is roughly 13 years The word actually tested him. And so I want to talk tonight about the topic of prophetic stewardship and what is the dynamic. What do you do once you've received a promise from God, once he's spoken to you? Because oftentimes we have a poor understanding of this and it gets us in trouble, right? And so uh, I'm going to share a lot out of my own story tonight, um, but I just want to kind of set it up by saying that uh, this is important, right? Like if you read all the the scriptures in here, they all start uh, every story, every person. They have a, an encounter with God, and He speaks to them. Jeremiah, you're called to be a prophet. Uh, Mary, you're going to give birth to Emmanuel, the Savior of the world. Uh, Moses, you're going to be a deliverer. Noah, you're going to you know be a, a savior of humanity. You're going to create a flood. Like God speaks to men and women, right? Deborah, you're going to be a you know He puts the word of the Lord in her mouth. Like, there's story after story, and it starts with God initiating and speaking a promise, right? Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations, all right? And uh, this is important uh, to recognize that, that if they needed this, so do we. Right, Moses wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, I'm kind of good at delivering people. I think, uh, I think that's my call. Right, like God spoke to him. He received from God a promise, flesh and bone, that we are, we are, like an embodiment. We are flesh and bone wrapped around the words of God right, like he spoke his heart, his passion, his dream, like he spoke, he spoke when he formed us, and he created us, and so we are flesh and bone wrapped around this expression of himself, right, and when he comes and speaks to someone, and he prophesies to Abraham, or yourself, or Moses, or David, whoever it is, he's, he's, he's tapping on that creative potential that's within you, right? He's like, he's inviting, he's giving an an, an outward expression of what he already knows you to be, right? So it's very tied into your identity is the prophetic words that you receive, is the things that God speaks to you are very intimately tied into who you are, all right? And um, for, for myself, well, I, before I go there, the other thing I want to say is we oftentimes view prophetic words as if they are God telling you the future. When I believe the primary way that God reveals himself through Jesus Christ is as Father. That's, the, that's like the crowning revelation that God reveals himself to mankind. Our Father who art in heaven. And oftentimes we view prophetic words as if they are coming from like, they're like these legal decrees of like, this is what's going to happen. When I view them as a Father speaking to his children, this is who you are this is your potential and rather than them being about his sovereign will being communicated to you he is inviting you into a journey of fulfilling the potential on your life he's showing you this is who i believe you to be and this is who i'm willing to walk with you on a journey of becoming and in that process this is what you're going to do right so there is a sense of invitation right we have free will In this, so God can say, I oftentimes people say, Well, God told me this and it's not happening. Like, well, what, what are you doing in that? You know, like what's you have a you have a responsibility as well, right? It's not just like okay, I'm gonna sit on my butt and wait till that happens, right? It says God desires none to perish, but all to be saved. How many people are perishing? It's not because it's not his desire, right? He's speaking to us. He's prophesying to us through the scriptures because we're not responding, right? There's a certain divine human uh, relationship that God has chosen to to want to use us, right? Because he's a good father, he actually has kind of stepped back and created space for you and me to play a powerful role in the salvation of humanity, right? In the shifting of human history, He could do it all himself, but he loves us too much. He wants to empower us. I don't really know why. That's one of my big questions for God when I get to heaven. Why'd you want to use us? You know? Okay, but there's a sense of invitation. All right, so uh, my story, my own calling journey, for those of you that are here, When I was 17, uh, I went into a valley of dependence, and that triggered about five years of wilderness for me. And that wilderness was bookend. The front end, as my mom talked about, that valley of dependence, it was a stripping. Uh, And then the back end of this five years was a valley of wholeness. When the Lord came and he purged me uh, in a deep sense, I talked about this in the message on sanctification, maybe earlier in the summer. And both of those were very low places in my life. And they bookended a very difficult season. And, and and as I came out of this uh, valley of wholeness, I was like, who the heck am I? Like, <laughs> I'm different. I know that, but who am I? And I had this craving hunger to know. I had all my things stripped. I didn't have any plans anymore. And I knew that he'd done a deep work of purging selfish ambition out of my heart and it exposed pride, I'm convicted. And he pulled me up, devastated and broke me. I could hardly breathe. I was so convicted. And he pulled me up out of that by his grace and his mercy and it's like who am i now and i was hungry for god i was in love with jesus i needed to know but i had this deep craving who am i who am i and it pulled me places. I started just devouring books, devouring the Bible, spending more time in prayer. I, it took me across the world, I started going, I needed to go. I went to Israel for three months, just because I was like, "I need to know who I am, Who am me? I read, the book, I read the Bible through and through in three months, just, who am I? I need to know who am I? Why am I here?" And I had a series of three dreams with a woman named Heidi Baker. Each one of them said, you need to come to Africa. So I go to Africa to spend three months under her ministry. And about two months in, I was in a point where I was almost in agony because I wasn't going there to do ministry. I was going there because I needed to know who I was. And in that place, literally a day, I mean, I was just, I was undone. And I have an experience where the dreams all happen. She speaks the exact words from the dreams and then prophesies over my future. And in that moment, something inside me, found resonance I found expression for this deep craving inside of me that dream that he spoke into my heart what he what he formed me with all of a sudden a prophetic word from an anointed person it like opened the channel of my heart and I found expression externally I found in that moment what I was called to do right and it was powerful I literally fell on the ground weeping like I didn't know, I was undone because I knew my father had spoken to me, right? And so it's a very powerful moment when God, when, when something aligns and all your searching comes to a point where I found the expression, even though it's still dim, even though it's just in part, I found expression, I found what I was created for. And I say this to say is we have to all individually find that. It looks different for every single person, but there is a craving, there's a, a yearning that God wants to answer this. Right? But I I found this and there was really two components that I found to be my purpose, what I was called to do. One involved pastoring and leading a church, the second involved crusade evangelism, doing large events, and this is what was spoken to and confirmed, and it was very, very powerful in a way that I could have not made the experience up if it was for a thousand worlds. years. Intimate details took place that I could have never manufactured or manipulated if I wanted to. I had it all written, like it was crazy, right? And then I came home, and this is, and the Lord spoke to me while I was there, and he said, the next seven years are about you learning who you are. And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, he's like, he's like you're going to be hidden, and it's about discovering your identity and growing up into who you are. And I'm thinking, I've just been through like six years of hell. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm ready to like do it now. I found what I'm called to do. I've got the prophetic promise, and it's of you. Right, And I came home and I was like, okay, yeah, okay, that sounds good. But I'm ready to do it, right? I'm ready to make it happen. I've been sitting around having everything stripped from me. I'm ready to make it happen. Okay? And I came back home and I started and I was put in a position to begin ministering. I just turned 23 uh, and I began preaching. And uh, it was miserable, right Uh, there was like it was miserable I it was miserable (laughs) for so many reasons right but like I was like this is are you sure that's what I'm called to do right like what in the world and began wrestling within six months I was like in despair what something's wrong I got a promise from God that I couldn't have made up in a thousand years I know it's you But now I'm trying to do it, and, like, I have four people here to hear me speak. You know, and you're telling me I'm going to preach to hundreds of thousands, and I'm preaching to four, right? And all these, you know, insecurities come up and all these things, and I'm just, like, distraught going, what in the world is going on? And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to run from my circumstance. I started emailing back. I wanted to go back to Africa and be under Heidi's ministry because they were having me preach over there, so let me go try to make it happen there because I had a lot more favor, Right And the Lord, in this, seriously, like sending emails in conversation about trying to figure out my escape route out of where God had called me um, so that I could go and, like, you made a mistake. You said I'm going to do this. Why am I doing this? Right, And I say this because this is what happens a lot. This is our understanding of prophecy a lot. Is we get a prophetic word. We get a promise from God. And our initial response is, oh, that's what I'm called to do. Let me start doing it. And we go externally focused. Right? And the reality is the kingdom is inside out. It's inside. So in the when God gives a word, this is this is rule of thumb, like, but this is how I'd say, like, most of the time, he gives a word that the response that he's looking for is not out. The response he's looking for is inside and then somehow you find outward expression, right? It's a mystery. Okay, but this is what I really think about prophecy is it's a divine setup, man. He is like trying to get you hooked and become a prisoner of hope is how Jeremiah describes it. He wants you to be a prisoner of hope because once he has you imprisoned in the hope of his word, you become bound, you become shackled to this promise that you know is him. And he's like, now let me take you inside. Now let me take you on the journey in. Because we can try to fulfill, it will not work. You will not be able. It will fail again and again and again because it's an inside out kingdom. And the fulfillment of the words is an inside out process. And I found really quick uh, that I I was on a a season of identity. And it came uh, through, it was a releasing. He was incrementally increasing anointing in my life. But every single step of the way, he was taking me deeper on a process of discovering who I am. Right? I had the words of what I was to do, but I did not know who I was. And I still do not know who I am. I'm four years old into a seven-year journey he told me I'm on. So I am still on this incremental journey. So I'm simply inviting you into my process and hoping that God will speak and define for yourself your own tonight. Right? We're all on a journey of discovering who we are. There's two questions on this process that I think are extremely important that we ask, and they're both from Acts chapter 2. So you can turn there, and we're going to read. Uh, we ask a lot of questions sometimes. Why questions. We don't necessarily get responses to why questions, but I like these two questions, and this is where the Lord led me in the aftermath of trying to reconcile this word I'd received with the lack of external progress or fulfillment, right? And this is Acts uh, 2, verse 12. This is in light of, you know, God's. God's speaking something, they're all speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit came, they're freaking out, and it says this in verse 12, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? And I think whenever we receive a promise from God, a word from him, that's the first question we should probably start asking is, what does this mean? And I love that Peter, he starts telling what it means and he goes and he's got the scripture. And I think the first thing, you get a word from the Lord about what you're called to do or whatever. You need to go to the scripture and start figuring out what does this mean? What does this mean? And glean and go deep, 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 deep. What does this mean? Because this is what I found in the process of, because the Lord said, okay, quit. Quit focusing external," he said. "Let's start going inside. It's an inside-out kingdom." I said, "Okay, what does that mean?" He I said, I "Find the answer to this question: What does this mean? What does these words I've spoken to you? What does this mean?" And this is what I found: When God speaks, okay, he came to me. You're gonna, you're gonna pastor a church. You're gonna do crusade evangelism. He said, "So Jordan, what type of person does those things?" I was like, "You know, a godly person." Yeah, what does that mean? And the Lord started leading me. He said, go through, go through the fruit of the spirit. Go through, go through and write. He said, I literally, get on your computer. He said, and write out what kind of person does these things that I've told you you're going to do. Started writing. And I was like, oh man, dude, that's that's a godly man if I don't say so myself, right? (laughs) And it wasn't me. But the Lord said, that's who I see you to be. Your identity is attached to the promise he's given you. Right? When he spoke to Joseph, he said, you know, you, you're, you know, everyone's gonna bow. You he gave them this call to be a leader of a nation, really, in that moment. And Joseph did not have an ounce of character to back that up, but God saw the man that would stand before the most powerful person in all the world and the first thing he had the most powerful person in the world desiring what he had and the first words out of his mouth was it's not in me what kind of character is that Void, ripped of selfish ambition, ripped and emptied of himself. That is who God saw when he was 17. So when he prophesied to the young boy, he didn't see a young boy. He saw the man that would stand before Pharaoh, selfless and dependent upon himself, upon God. Right, so when God speaks to you, when He prophesies to you, He doesn't. See, he sees you at, and He sees where you're going, and He's actually saying, "Yeah, this is what you're going to do." But He's also saying, within that word, "This is who you will become." And even more than that, He says, "This is who I believe you to be already." I'm just trying to open your eyes to that fact. And so, as I wrote this down, I began to see, "Wow." I'm frustrated about the disparity between what you told me I'm going to do and how it's not happening. You see the disparity between who I am in your eyes and who I'm acting like right now. You see the disparity in my character. You see the disparity in all the insecurity. You see the disparity in the fear. You see the disparity. And the Lord said, let's focus on that. And for me, it was a journey of starting instead of the Lord said, let go of the external and let's focus on the internal. And God told me this. He said, if you will be faithful to invest your time and let me form my son in you, I will be faithful to fulfill the promise. Because he said, you can't do any of those things. He's like, but you can partner with me in the journey of becoming like me. You can allow all your circumstances to transform you. Right? Instead of whining and complaining, he said, you can give thanks and recognize that I'm, de- I'm, I'm designing your life. I'm bringing the difficulties. I'm bringing the frustrations to form my son in you. The frustrations are chisels that are chiseling away all the debris so that the beauty that's inside that stone can just be on display. Right? God uses, he designs, he's a mastermind, he's a genius. He doesn't waste anything. And I had to submit to this process. And that was where the second question came in, which is Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And it says, uh, they heard this Peter preach, and then people responded and said, Brothers, what shall we do? So I said, Lord, what shall I do? And he began to speak to me, and he would give me very uh, certain little marching orders. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do he would say instead of getting frustrated every time you're going to have that conversation or really offended he said why don't you give thanks that i'm using it to form patience in you <laughs> i was like oh man i didn't sign up for this when i believed that prophetic word <laughs> right I thought, this, I thought that meant great things happening. God's like, yeah, it's just different great things, right? It's not great fulfillment. It's great transformation. It's great sanctification, being formed into the image of Jesus. Okay, this is what happened. It was a huge shift. I was, I was at this point. I'm either going to run away, and I'm going to try to make it happen, and I'm going to get rid of all the things I don't like, and I'm going to try to create a new circumstance where the grass is greener, which doesn't really exist. Because your bags fly with you wherever you go that's why they call it baggage right and your baggage will follow you it doesn't matter if you go across the other side of the world your baggage will follow you and it was either I'm going to go and try to run and create the fulfillment that I want to see or I'm going to submit to your process and I'm going to let you I'm going to let go of the externalities and I'm just going to focus on me and I literally in a very deep way said yes I'll become patient, I'll become kind, I'll become peaceful, I'll become loving. Just, just, I'll let it go. Just form, just form Jesus in me. I want my joy to be Jesus. And uh, the amazing thing is, as, like, I did this, and I just focused in, I literally stopped caring. I was like, I don't care how many people come, I don't care what happens, I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to find satisfaction in you it was like God began to breathe on things, breathe on ministry, and uh, as he would, as I would yield more deeply to His process of the ongoing process of sanctification. Right, we've talked about the experience of sanctification, We're talking about the ongoing process of sanctification, which is a lifelong process. Right, as He would transform, He would then entrust to me more favor, and He began to breathe on ministry. And then uh, in this process of just, like, getting lost in Jesus, becoming patient, I'm like, man, I've never thought about patience as much in my life, right? All of a sudden, my ministry started flourishing, grew, became its own church. Didn't even know how that happened. And then all of a sudden, you got this, like, church. And then God, in the process of this, goes, okay, now I want you to give it away. No, 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 no. That's the opposite of the words you gave me. I just spent three years sowing my heart and soul when it sucked, becoming patient, and you rewarded that by giving me this thing, the first fruits of the fulfillment of the promise that you gave me. Remember? That was your idea, not mine. I wanted to go to law school. <laughs> no, no, I want you to give me the church, son. No, that's okay. Rest with them for six months. Okay. You can have the ministry. Right, give him the ministry. Now I'm sitting in this place, literally. Well, I don't know what to do now. I don't even know where I'm going to make money. I was telling somebody, I told John, I said, yeah, I think I'm going to work for Pizza Hut. So that way when I drive around and deliver, I can at least intercede for the city. Right? That, was, that was a good idea. But I didn't, I didn't know. I had no finances. I had no backing. We started this church right, and, uh, and by kind of a crazy circumstance, I end up on a flight to India, on the flight to India the first day, randomly, I'm there for vacation, I'm not there to do any ministry, the first lady, the first day, they take me to a church, hey, pray for this woman, she's a cripple, lives on the street, I didn't know that, put my hand on her knee, her knee popped, she got up, started walking, turned into 10 hours of ministry, which is now turned into all the things that are happening there, I didn't do a dang thing to make any of that happen, it was, and suddenly, the spirit of God moved, and birthed, and opened, and I found myself in July standing before 1,200 people doing an evangelistic crusade. Are you kidding me? But this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm not saying that as if like, look at me. I let go of the externalities, Truly. I will tell you now, there's no security in them. There's no security in the fulfillment of the promise. Actually, I don't even think the prophecy was ever about necessarily what we're to do. That is a byproduct and a consequence of becoming the man or the woman that you were formed to be, living in union with Jesus Christ. The only security is Jesus. He's the rock. It's not the fulfillment. The fulfillment will come and go. It will give and it will take. It's not about the fulfillment. You let go of the fulfillment. You walk the process of inward life, the inner journey of becoming one with Jesus, abiding with him. Somehow these things just take place, right? And it's this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? I was there when I was just there this last week. They, uh. The vision, I mean, they, they, one of the pastors said, we believe that God is going to, to continue to grow in this and we're going to see millions come to the Lord. Those are his words. I never told him those are my words. He didn't know that was the, the prophecy that was spoken over my life when I was 23 years old, weeping on the floor in Africa. Those are, they're, they're, it's their vision now too. Right? And they're, they're speaking my promises to me. Right, and they took me to, it's called the palace grounds in Bangalore, India, where Reinhard Bonnke did a crusade 25 years ago. We went there, drove onto the middle of it. I don't know how we got in. I was like, oh man, are we allowed to be here? But we're in the middle of these palace grounds out there praying. And as praying, this, this presence of God, I almost, I almost just had to start weeping as I'm sitting there. And I saw, I saw the people. I saw the multitudes. I saw the crowds. The Lord said, do you see? My promise is true. He spoke to me again. He was bigger. It was more 3D. It was, it was dimensional. I could, I could feel it. I could sense it. Right? But there's miracles. I was praying that this the Indian government's closed to Christianity. They don't like open air meetings. There's all kinds of obstacles. Four years ago, I would have said, oh man, God, why is the Indian government closed to this? It's the time where this could come, which could happen. We could make this, you know, we could do this. And that's not even a thought in my mind because I'm not going to make any of this happen. <laughs> It makes me laugh thinking about it. I'm not doing any of it. It's his idea. It's his job. It's his will. It's his words. It's his promises. He's the promise maker. He's the promise keeper. Amen. It's not our job to make the words happen. It's our job to figure out what does this mean? Who am I? What are you saying about me? as an individual, as a son, as a daughter that you formed, I'm going to invest my life becoming that person so that I have a garden within my soul that is cultivated, that is abounding in the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that every time I come into the prayer closet, every time I remove myself from the world to be intimate with Jesus, I don't come empty-handed. I come with the life of Jesus that he laid down on the cross I come with that very life now cultivated within me, and I say, Lord, you can come into your garden, and you can eat of the fruit of your life that you sacrificed, but find it in me. Feast upon me. Here is patience. Here is kindness. This is the truth. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the most, the most incredible prophetic anointing in the world, it's to minister to people. But what ministers to the Lord is a life, is when the garden within you is abounding with the fruit of the Holy Spirit and you offer it to Him. That is how you bless the Lord. That is eternal life, that you will know Him. Amen? So when we're if we're going to be a people that steward the words, because when we receive a prophetic word, that is a seed. That is just the that's like when you get pregnant. It's this little, little guy. <laughs> Swimming around. <laughs> you know, the sperm. Swimming. And then the egg, right? Like, it's a beautiful conception. But that is not a mature fulfillment. The way you fulfill that promise is you steward that baby. You begin to change your life because of that baby. You begin to change your diet because of that baby. You begin to change your sleep because of that baby. When it gets hard, when it gets, right, you can't, you got to take that baby to full term. And then when it gets out of the womb, it's even harder, I hear. All right, when my mom was trying to potty train me, I used to sit on that toilet and say, and then she'd be like, what are you doing, Jordan? Not going to the bathroom. Right? Not going poop on the potty. Literally, she'd bribe me with candy. Not doing it. You're changing my diaper till I'm 30. (laughs) Right? It's difficult. It's difficult. There's days when you are tempted to let it go. And I believe the the times that we're living in in this nation is, hey, if it's too hard, just abort it. If it's going to make you too uncomfortable and you're going to have, no, just let it go can't do that in the spirit we can't do that in the natural we can't do that in the spirit we got to take this baby to full term and see it expressed because this is the reality is the child doesn't just bless your life India it was never it blesses a whole community of people that's what I'm seeing in India it was never about me it's about a nation it's about a people it's about these pastors it's about these brothers and sisters that God's uniting in my life it's bigger than us the fulfillment of your promise isn't about you it's about his kingdom coming to this earth and it's huge and it has implications that so far outlive and outlast your life and your existence they're eternal things because they're god things amen amen so i'm actually just gonna crash the plane right there um, and I want um, to close, uh, actually, just with the time of just demonstrating and, and actually doing some prophetic ministry. Uh, we've talked about this a lot uh, and trying to create a very healthy culture of how are we doing this. And the reason that we want to create a healthy culture, the reason uh, that we're doing and putting so much thought into this, and we'll continue to put a lot of thought into development, is because what happens when God speaks. Worlds get created. Things get stirred within you that end up impacting nations and generations. Amen.